Good morning, Grace Point Church. Yeah, me and my big mouth, right? I don't know how I agreed to talk about this subject to you. All right. Uh, so actually, yeah, today we're going to talk about gossip, which is a, always a fun topic. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience before or not. Uh, I, I bet you have, where you're in a situation where uh, you realize that something bad is about to happen, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. So this happened to me about a year and a half ago. Um, as Faith mentioned, my name's Tim Collins, and I'm actually, along with some friends, uh, we're planting a church up north in North Topeka, north of the river. It's a thousand miles away for all of you. It's, I didn't know until I moved to Topeka that it, it, there's this, it seems to be this attitude that when you've crossed the river, you're headed towards Canada. It's just so far away. Uh, so, yeah, we live up there, the church is up there, and I was up there about a year and a half ago running errands, uh, you know, it's what we do, and so I'm, I'm out in front of Walmart, which is a pretty busy intersection there, and I'm stopped, and, and you know, I'm, I don't know, 10 or 12 cars back at the red light, and I'm waiting, and I just happen to glance in my rearview mirror. Some of you have had this experience. I glance in the rearview mirror, and here comes a work van, and he was coming in hot. He was not slowing down, and it's one of those situations where you go, oh, no, I think I know how this story ends, and sure enough, it did. I did the best that I could to get off the road. I had left a little bit of space, so I tried to get off the road, but he still caught the tail end of my truck and glanced off and, and hit me so hard. I don't even know if he hit his brakes, to be honest with you. Hit me so hard that he shot off across three lanes of traffic and went up past everyone. I, I couldn't even see him anymore. Like, he was gone. And I was fine, and the truck, honestly, was pretty fine. And I was so frustrated, right? And I was so angry and, uh, until he came to find me. Because sure enough, like I said, he disappeared, right? I didn't know if the earth swallowed him whole. <laughs> I didn't know what had happened. He was gone. Well, here he comes walking, like making a beeline for me. And immediately he's like, I am so sorry. That was my fault. I shouldn't have done that. And I, it, it was interesting how it just let the tension out of the balloon. Because at the end of the day, we call them traffic accidents for a reason. It wasn't intentional. And we like to ascribe intent to other people. But the truth is, when you realize, when I came to the realization that it genuinely was an accident, he made a mistake, same way that you make mistakes, the same way that I make mistakes. Uh, we find ourselves careless. We find ourselves careless when we drive, even though we don't want to admit it. Uh, we just do. And so as I walked through that, it was amazing to me how I, when I realized, yeah, you know what, this genuinely is an accident, uh, I was able to see it in a much different light. But can you imagine with me for a second what it would have been like? if it wasn't an accident? What if instead he had come back to me, made a beeline for me, and when he found me, he said, uh, oh, I hit you? Good. That's what I was trying to do. In fact, when I saw you stopped, I just floored it. <laughs> I just wanted to see how hard I could hit you. Wanted to make, like, that sounds so strange, right? Because we don't drive that way. We don't think that way. Uh, we would never purposefully think of smashing into other people. I guarantee you that when you pulled into the parking lot at the church this morning, you were probably trying to avoid all the other cars. You weren't trying to play pinball with them, right? And that's common sense. Like, you would wonder why I would even bring it up. 
And yet I do bring it up because verbally we often do that exact thing. When we participate in gossip, uh, we are actually playing verbal pinball. And we don't always consciously think about it, but our intention when we participate in gossip is that we're actually trying to hurt other people. We don't always put those thoughts in our minds, but it's absolutely true. Proverbs 11.9 says, with, with his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. We don't think in those terms, but that's exactly what we're trying to do. When we participate in, whether it's speaking or listening to gossip, whether it's participating in it on social media, retweet, share, right? We're liking things and telling our tribe about it because we're all kind of divided up here. The words that come out of our mouth, this is really the intention of this series that you guys are in, me and my big mouth. The words that come out of our mouth, how they affect our hearts, and the difference that they can make and often do make in the lives of those around us. Because the truth is, gossip is a very dangerous thing. In fact, the title of the sermon today is Demolition Derby. Because that's what gossip is. It is a verbal demolition derby. What we're going to talk about is why is it that you and I are so tempted to become what I call social kamikazes. We just, we're coming in hot. We're trying to do as much harm as we can. And we're going to talk, unpack that a little bit more in just a few minutes. How we want to elevate ourselves by downgrading someone else. And we, in, along the way, and it's intentional but it's unintentional. Along the way... We turn our jobs and our churches and our families into our own little personal demolition derbies. So if you're going to talk about gossip, we should start off by defining it. Gossip is a report about the behavior of someone else. It's usually a malicious report, as you would know. You don't think of gossip in a positive light because it's usually not in a positive light. Gossip is a malicious report about the behavior of someone else, especially, check this out, something that's said in low tones or whispers. It's salacious. It feels good to talk about it. We like to share it. I had a Bible professor 100 years ago when I was in Bible college uh, who told us that gossip is sharing something or participating in something when you're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution. That's such a great definition, and it stuck with me all of these years because it's sticky. That's really easy for me to remember that if it's none of my business, then I shouldn't try to make it my business. Actually, to see the word gossip, to use, see that term used in Scripture, you find it a few times. You don't really find it in very many extended passages. But what you do find, especially in the book of Proverbs, are words like whisperer, that we're whispering to each other, slanderer. When you put those two together, you get a really good idea. And I'm just going to tell you, here, this is the thing. First of all, uh, your pastor, Tim, uh, and I are good friends, and he texted and asked would I agree to come and speak. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to. And then he told me I was supposed to come talk about gossip. And I realized I had already told him I would do it. <laughs> this is a, I'm just telling you, this is a tough subject for you to listen to. You don't want to be up here. That's a tough subject to talk about. Here's why. It's so easy for you and I to think of other people that this applies to. And I'm telling you, the temptation over the next few minutes for you is that you're going to want to think about all, you know who needs to hear this sermon? 
Do you know who I need to share? You know who I need to email this to? So for just a second, I'm going to ask you and I to take a deep breath, and God's going to kind of get after you over the next few minutes because he's been getting after me for a few weeks. I'm with you. This is so easy to see in other people, and it takes so much courage for us to see it in the mirror. But that's where we need to see it because here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't have any control over other people. Some of you have driven yourself nuts because you're trying to control other people. You can just give that up. You don't have any control over anybody else. But you do have control over you. And what kind of church would we be if we all took personal responsibility for this? And what kind of families would we have if everybody started owning what's in their own yard, we set boundaries and say, you know what, here's the fence and everything inside of it is my domain, belongs to me, doesn't just mean I'm in authority over it, it means I'm responsible for it. What kind of workplaces would we have if we all had the courage? So I'm telling you, this is tough. It's easy to reflect this onto someone else. It's tough to look in the mirror and see it for yourself, but we're grown-ups, right? Shake your head like this. We're grown-ups. So for the next few minutes, we're going to be tough. We're going to have courage. We're going to look inside. And we're going to grin and bear it and get through this together, okay? Uh, this sermon is for everyone because there's such a temptation for gossip. And we see this in Proverbs 18.8. It says, the words of a whisperer are like, what does it say? Delicious morsels. Now, I'm a foodie. I think you can tell that by looking at me. I like food. And when you talk about delicious morsels, I want to find a bigger plate. Like if you're handing out delicious morsels, I'll take three, please. Right? And yet, it's so salacious for us to participate in. Especially, man, oh man. I'm going to meddle now. Especially when we start talking about them and us. Have you figured out that our society more and more is becoming polarized and it's them and us? And I don't know who them is, but it's the opposite of you and your tribe. Whatever your tribe is, whatever that looks like, it's them and us. Them and us. So when we get a, a, a juicy piece of gossip about them, especially if them were to include somebody who shares the same faith that you share, man, we just want to dive, we want to grind it, don't we? And we get really brave, especially because we're not just talking about the words of our mouth here. I think you've made this connection. We're not just talking about the words of our mouth. We're also talking about our keyboards. And we're talking about our thumbs when we type. Come on. Other people, not you. Certainly not anybody in this room. No, this is what we have to be really careful of because the divisiveness spawns more divisiveness. And you and I help propagate that. We're going to talk more about what that looks like here in just a second. Most of us, to be fair, I would dare say that most of us in this room are not what we would traditionally call gossips. Like that that's what we do. I participate in it all the time. This is my, my lot in life, right? This is my aim. And yet, how many of us, myself included, do find ourselves falling into it, going down that path, taking these little detours that are not good for us. We go to what I call the Protestant confessional. Did you know that Protestants have a confessional? We just confess each other's sins. 
And here's the thing. You're going to have plenty of material. You are. I'm telling you, you're going to find yourself in a moment where you're right and they're wrong. And you give yourself permission to share it because you're right and they're wrong. And Christianity is not just about being right all the time. Because can I give you a little secret? You're not right all the time. And isn't it really about laying down our rights? Did you know that being right is not a fruit of the Spirit? Because Jesus is right, so our job's to get on his side and bear his fruit. And do you guys remember what that fruit looks like? It's not being combative. It's not being vindictive. It's not, you know, serving justice on the platter that you decide. I, I get to decide what this looks like, and I'm going to humiliate someone else. No, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. What does that look like as we manifest that in our lives? So as I told you, there are very few extended passages that deal directly with gossip, although you will find gossip listed in some lists, especially in the New Testament. And I think it's instructional. Lists, we, we want to skip over lists when we're reading the Bible. We shouldn't skip them. They're very instructional. So when you find gossip listed in the New Testament, you will often find it listed as a very serious sin alongside things like murder and evil and hatred specifically hating God. I mean, this is getting personal. And yet, this is what the Bible says to us. And we find ourselves as sinners. I know maybe you don't think you are, but you are. We're sinners. And we're surrounded by sinners in our church. And we live with sinners in our home or in your dorm or wherever it is you live. You live with a bunch of sinners and you work with a bunch of sinners. So there's always going to be ammo. That's not the question. The question is, how are we going to conduct ourselves in response to that? So we're going to jump into Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to read four verses from the book of Proverbs chapter 6. Uh, and I will tell you this, you're not going to see the word gossip literally contained in this passage. But what it does talk about is a worthless and wicked person whose worthlessness and wickedness comes out of their mouth. And I know when you hear a term like worthless, you think, well, that's harsh. I don't think we should. Here's the thing. We need to act like we're worth what God says that we're worth. And we need to bring worth into situations that we're involved in. So in light of that, Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 12. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with what kind of speech? Crooked speech. We're going to come back to that. It's a very interesting phrase. And then we get these three phrases that are successive. And on the surface, when you read these three phrases, you may find yourself scratching your head and going, why? Like, what does that mean? Listen. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech. Here we go. He winks with his eyes. He signals with his feet. He points with his fingers. What in the world does that mean? This is about deception. This is about sending off images, saying one thing but acting another way. In fact, if you go back and read the message, uh, it actually says uh, this is someone who crosses their finger behind their back when they're talking. Isn't that instructional? 
because we've acted this way, and we've seen other people act this way. In fact, for gossips, for you and I, when we fall into that, or for people who make it a full-time job, for gossips, their method is deception. This is how gossip thrives. It thrives in deception. Innuendos are very popular with gossip. Why? Because 90 or 95% of communication is nonverbal. So I can say one thing, but I can insinuate something else. I don't have to come out and tell you something specific about them. I can just hint and then give you a good nudge in that direction and let you come to your own conclusions. Of course, nobody hears that subtle, right? Yes, we are. This is what we do. We love innuendos. It's not just what you say. It's also in how you say it. How you talk about people. How do you... Oh. How do you talk about people that you disagree with? Do you know that you don't have to agree with everyone? Amen, Tim. I'll say it. You don't have to agree with everyone. You don't even have to pretend to agree with everyone. Because grown-ups know how to disagree with each other and still be friends, don't they? I hope that's the case because I'm married to somebody that I don't always agree with. None of you, that's not true for you, but that's true. So if you'd pray for me, right? Or maybe pray for her. <laughs> it wasn't that funny. You get it, right? We're not, we, unity and uniformity are two different things. We don't have to agree with each other all the time about everything. In fact, it may say more about us when we look at how we disagree with each other. What does it look like to disagree and still be kind to each other and still be winsome to each other and still add worth? Remember we talked about being worthless? What does it look like to add worth in these interactions? What does that look like? What does it look like, to quote Rich Mullins, to figure out that God's right and the rest of us are guessing? How, how confronting is that to us? Well, it hurts my heart to say it. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, and anything beyond these is of evil. Literally means anything beyond these is from the evil one. Be careful about your speech. When we gossip, we don't get too specific. We use insinuations and innuendos. We distort the truth. Have you ever figured out that some of the most powerful lies have a little bit of truth in them? And here's what we do. I've seen it so often, and I've done it myself. We get three or four pieces of the story, and we just fill in the gaps, don't we? You know how to make a mountain out of a molehill? You add dirt. This is what we do. And so often, we get facts. This is actually what was said. This is actually what was done. And I fill in the gaps, usually around intent. Please hear this. You don't know anyone else's heart. You may think you do, but you don't. And that's really between them and God. So you need to be very careful ascribing things to other people when you don't know. You don't know. You don't know the whole story even when you think you do. So we go back to verse 14. What do we do? With a perverted, literally means a twisted heart, not a straight heart. This is a crooked heart. This is a twisted heart. With a perverted heart, they devise evil. Can say these three words with me. Continually sowing 
Yeah, does that sound like somebody who's gossiping? Yeah, boy. So when we gossip, when we gossip, our method is, is deception. Our purpose is deviance. Our purpose is deviance. It's crooked. It's twisted. And you may have the purest of hearts, and you may feel most of the time like you want to see God win and you want to see God's kingdom come and you want to align yourself like that. But please hear this. Please look at me. When you allow yourself to be sucked into a cul-de-sac of gossip, your purpose has changed. You're no longer focused on the kingdom. You take these little detours that don't help anyone because when we're gossiping, we have different motives. We have different purposes. Josiah Holland, this is such a great quote. Josiah Holland said that gossip is always a personal confession either of malice or of imbecility. Ouch. That hurt. And yet, how often is that true of me? It's always a confession that either I'm sideways I'm genuinely trying to hurt somebody or I've taken my eye off the ball. I'm not keeping my eye on God and on God's kingdom. I'm probably keeping my eye on me. So growing up, uh, my dad was a carpenter and then as I got older, he got his contractor's license. So I grew up watching things be built. Uh, And do you know, as I watched my dad build amazing buildings and houses and office buildings, all kinds of things, do you know it wasn't very often that I saw him go in and consult with someone who wanted him to remodel a room, and he took a sledgehammer and just immediately started swinging it just as hard as he could? Why? Because that's destruction. You need to be careful how you do that. But verbally, or how about online? How often are we just swinging a sledgehammer? Let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can build people up. And we're looking at you going, you're using the wrong tool if you want to build something up. That's how you tear things down. Social media especially has given rise to what I call dogpile Christianity. And I don't know what it is about us that we want to celebrate someone else's downfall when they claim to share the same faith that we do. I don't know where that comes from, as if we're not all sinners. And I'm at the top of the heap, man. I'm telling you, I'm more of a sinner maybe than anyone in here. We can fist fight about it later, right? Like we're all sinners, but for just a little while, we like to pretend that we're better than someone else. And it's just, it's such a, such a temptation to be sucked into that way of thinking. We've forgotten Paul's admonition in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers... All suffer together. We're hurting ourselves, and more importantly, we're hurting God's kingdom. When we gossip, we have stopped being interested in the health of the body. We absolutely have. So what are the two things that are contained here in verse 14? Well, the first thing you see is that he devises evil. He devises evil, which comes from, please hear this, the original sin, and the one that you and I are still struggling with, P-R-I-D-E. I in the middle. It's always I in the middle. That's a really good indicator of pride. It's about me, it's about me, it's about my thing. We forget that when one member of the body hurts, the whole body hurts as well. So we don't need to rejoice when we see others fail. We don't need to rejoice when we see others fail. We devise evil, 
And then I had you say those three words out loud, right? Continually sowing discord. Means it's not just to one person. You ever fertilize your lawn? You ever go get the bag of fertilizer? And whether you had one of these things, like you walk around with the hand, or maybe you've got the one that you push, or maybe you got the big one where you dump the whole bag in and you ride around on your mower or your tractor and you're spreading it. Do you know what those spreaders are called? Broadcast spreaders. You feel where we're going. But we're going anyway. Why? Because that's what gossip is. Continually sowing discord. Because usually we don't just say it once. We've got to say it and say it and say it and say it or craft that post in such a way that it gets a bunch of retweets and reposts or whatever they're called, right? On whatever platform you're on. We want to broadcast things. Why aren't we broadcasting good things? Why don't we think in those terms? Why, why isn't that juicy? And then the last verse, verse 15. What's the end? How does gossip work out? Whether it's somebody who really struggles with this all the time or whether it's you and I who, you know, get sucked into it occasionally or maybe regularly. How does it work out? Verse 15 tells us, therefore calamity will come upon him suddenly, like getting rear-ended at the traffic light. Calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken. What are those two words? Beyond healing. Could I ask you a question? Do you take the Bible seriously? Do you believe that every word's inspired by God? That means those two words are in there on purpose. That if we don't learn to repent of gossiping, if we allow it to spread like gangrene in our souls and in our homes and in our churches... At some point, we're going to be beyond healing. It's not that God won't love us. Do you know that God can love you and still break you? Because he loves us in a way that he wants what's best for us. So when we gossip, our end is destruction. For gossips, their end is destruction. In some strange way, we think that it's going to make things better. But it never does. Usually, the opposite occurs. And what's crazy is, you've accomplished exactly what gossip is supposed to accomplish. Tearing people down. Doing destruction. It always ends badly. You see in that verse, there's a certainty. In a moment, he will be broken. He will be broken. Not that he might. It's not that, hey, you should be careful. Hey, if you go down this road... It ends in the same place every time. If you go far enough, if you do it long enough, if you're unrepentant long enough, you're going to find really, really bad things because this is damage. It's real. It hurts people. Can I just tell you something? Obviously, I've already preached this once this morning. And I had someone come up to me after that first service. And they're visiting, visiting your church. And I told them, hey, this is a great church. You're going to love it here. But they're gun shy because they've been hurt in church before. How many of us could tell that story? And they want to know, are they going to be accepted? Look at me. I'm talking about your church. They, 
They want to know, are they going to be accepted? Now, what I want to ask you is, what kind of church do you want them to find? Because it's not magic. I'm not going to wave my Bible over you and suddenly everything's fine. No, we're going to roll up our sleeves. We're going to be adults. We're going to get down in the trenches and we're going to do the hard work of looking in the mirror and asking ourselves, what am I doing to build up to bring forth God's kingdom, to speak love, to speak justice. What am I doing? What's my role? Because the certainty is gossip always ends badly. And then those last two words, I just can't get away from them. In a moment, he'll be broken beyond healing. Scary stuff. See, there's fallout. There's horizontal fallout for us when we gossip. Horizontal means it's between us, between each other, between humans. There's always horizontal fallout. There's funny verses from Proverbs 18. Uh, hang with me. Uh, I, you know, I didn't write it. I'm just reading it to you. It's fascinating verses, verses 6 and 7 of Proverbs 18. A fool's lips walk into a fight. Isn't that great? A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? You guys all remember. You carried it in. I didn't write it. You had it with you already. You just didn't know it was in there. And how often and how much more and more and more every day are we learning to be really brave because we're behind a screen? And we talk to each other online or through text messages, through emails. We talk to each other in ways that we would never talk to each other face-to-face. Because -face. we just wouldn't do that. And what's happening is more and more in our culture, we're allowing our personal, in-person interactions to be dictated by the vitriol that we see online. You and I, get, you ever been on a bus where you get to pull the, you pull the thing because it's time to get off the bus? You pull it and the bus driver stops. You and I get to do that. We get to say, stop this ride, I want to get off. We're not going to conduct ourselves that way anymore. Why? Look at verse 7. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Be careful with what you say. That's why you're doing this series, by the way. Me and my big mouth, you and your big mouth, this is all of us. Our words are really, really powerful, and there is horizontal fallout. Usually it's not a physical altercation, but often it's worse. We just come in and, and we just use a flamethrower on our relationships, and we do lasting, long-term damage that's just as painful and just as significant. Horizontal fallout's not all there is. There's also vertical fallout between you and God. Psalm 101.5 says, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy. Can God destroy you and love you? It might be for your own good. It's a crazy idea. You need to bring your mind to this, that God himself is watching the way that we interact. And we need to be really careful that even though we name the name of Christ, and we feel allegiance to Christ. And we really are saved. And we really do care about God's kingdom. We need to be careful that practically speaking in our day-to-day -day lives, we're not setting ourselves up against God. Because could I just tell you, 
If you fight God, you lose 100% of the time. It's not even close. The smartest thing you and I can do is have the courage to ask God through his spirit to help us align ourselves with him. God, how do I get to be on your side? How do I get to, doesn't this sound like spiritual growth? How do I get to see things the way you see things? God, how do I get to see the people in my life the way that you see the people in my life? People who are in need of grace, but you know what? As it turned out, turns out, God's caused me to be able to experience grace. In fact, more grace than I can possibly carry in both hands. So I get to pass it out because it's an endless supply. And in fact, that's why I forgive. That's why I give out grace. Not because they've treated me well, because they haven't. You get over that. We're following somebody who was treated poorly, Jesus Christ. You know what his model was? We're just going to treat them well. We're going to treat them well because we don't find our value from other people. Look at me. We find our value vertically. Come on. What happens for you and I who mean well, but we can get sucked into this cul-de-sac of gossip? What happens when you and I figure out how to tap into that all the time? We get to leave the lives that we've been called to lead. So last year I was mowing. I like to mow. Like, I'm a dude, right? I just like to get out and ride the mower, make the lines. I'm a dad. You know, I want to mow the patterns. And so I was mowing last year and I made a dumb mistake. I've done this before. Some of you have done this. I don't know how, but every, all the time at the end of our driveway, there's a newspaper. We don't subscribe to the newspaper. We've never paid anybody for the newspaper. I don't know what it is. I don't open it and look. I just throw it away. So if you're the one throwing that at our property, you should just keep it because I'm just throwing it in the trash. Well, one week I didn't. And I got on the mower and I started mowing. I wasn't paying attention and I ran over that newspaper. It wasn't funny when I did it. It's funny now. And you know what happened? We threw a party because there was confetti everywhere. I mean, it shot it out the side of the mower. And my first thought was, man, I'm trying to make our place look nice. And here I go and do this. So I turned off the mower and I got off the mower and I walked around and tried to pick up all the little pieces. You know how much work that was? And do you know how successful I was? That's what gossip is. You put it out there, you'll never pick up all the pieces. You'll never make it right the way that it ought to be made right. You'll never correct it. You can never take it back. And you know this because you've been gossiped about. And even if there's an apology, it doesn't restore what had happened. So as David prayed in Psalm 141, verse 3, our prayer is, set a guard, O Lord, over our mouths. That every day, as I'm reading my Bible, as I'm having my coffee, I can pray and say, God, set a, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips because I want to honor you today. And I know, generally speaking, I'm headed in that direction, but I can get sucked off into these side streets of gossip. God, keep me on the right path. First of all, help me to remember that I can absolutely fall into this. I need to be diligent. And I know, God, that by your grace, you can fulfill, you can complete that good work that you began in me because I want to cooperate with that. Help me to not fight against you. Help me to have the courage to watch and to listen 
and to express your love to all those around me. Let's pray. God, this is a tough subject. Uh, not an easy one to hear, not an easy one to talk about. And yet, it's relevant. It's real. And I think most of us in this room either realize it or uh, we don't realize it, but it's still true that every day we encounter landmines where we could get sucked into this and saying the wrong thing and, and saying things that are, that are hostile, that are, that are not honoring to you, not honoring to the spiritual fruit you're growing in us. So God, just help us to cooperate with you. Help us to realize we don't do this under our own strength. We do it in your power, empowered by your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom to know how to move forward with this and how to ask the hard questions. Most of all, God, for whatever we're guilty of, help us to repent right away and to celebrate the fact that you always welcome prodigals back home and you always treat us with grace and you're always willing to help us get back on the right path and have a better tomorrow. We can do this with your spirit, with your power. So help us to have the courage to ask the hard questions and the wisdom to know what to do. In Jesus' name.